super excited about this week's guests, plural, two of my best and most loved alcohol-free friends, the happy pair, Stephen and David Flynn, who howl out of Ireland in Greystones. We've become great mates over the years. I've been for a swim with them many mornings. They create this beautiful movement where they live out in Ireland in Greystones. It's all about health. It's all about vibrancy. They get together every morning at sunrise to go for a swim. You may have seen me with the lads on many occasions. The last time I was there was with Matt Pink and Susie Shaw getting in the sea in March. Can you believe it's the coldest time of the year? That's all I'm going to say about that. But you're going to love this episode because what a lot of people don't know about the Happy Pair Twins is that they stopped drinking when they were 21. And it had almost fallen off their radar as part of their story. And I wanted to reignite that. And in March, we actually delivered an alcohol-free challenge together. Because I think it's important that people know and hear this story that barely anyone has heard before. And that's what we're going to share with you today. You're going to absolutely love this one. But before we get into it, let's talk about September. I've got the next cohort of my Diploma in Positive Coaching coming up and I want you to be a part of it. This is where we're going to deep dive into all things coach and coaching and how it can change other people's lives and change yours in the process. And I'm going to train with you. This makes it completely unique. Our double accredited coaching course with the Association for Coaching and the International Coaching Federation. This is elite stuff. We've got an amazing team. Sarah and Naomi are helping all those adult learners figure out exactly how to get themselves back in the groove of learning again, of helping again, of maybe setting up a completely new lifestyle on the back of this that gives back, that's full of meaning and purpose and all sorts of excitement. So on that note, go to andyrams.com and you'll see free workshops and in there, you'll see a workshop all about how to become a coach and do what you love every single day. Download that workshop, have a good look at it, it lasts about 45 minutes and then come and join me. Let's make it happen. This whole alcohol-free space is blowing up in a big way. If you think about it, it's bigger than the whole fitness industry combined. The middle lane drinkers who are all going to work out in the next five to ten years that actually what they've been doing is not serving them. It's holding them back. It's diseasing their body. And there's going to be this monster wave of people that want to stop and find it really difficult. And they're going to need coaches and initiatives and podcasts and apps and groups and communities and influencers. We need it all. And this coaching course is the foundation of wherever you want to go with it, whether you want to take it into the executive space because it's accredited at that level, or you want to just show up on social media or in your neat networks and inspire people to be a bit better or specifically work within the alcohol-free space like myself and try and transform the world. And we're going to do it together. We are going to change the world together. So let's make it happen. Go to andyrems.com, see the free workshops, download that workshop, watch it, apply. Let's make it happen in September. Alrighty, let's get to it. Without further ado, the happy pair. So I'm here with the happy pair lads. As you know, um, we've come to know and love each other over the last few years. And it's been so exciting to see uh, your adventures unfold. So what I really want to do is share uh, with the people that listen to this podcast who have a keen interest in my favorite subject, which is going alcohol free. And I know it's in your story. And I don't think everyone's quite aware of how that unfolds in your story so i just thought if you don't mind just taking me back there because i know it's a good few years ago and how that unfolded the story that led up to that change well i can definitely take the alcohol bit because even when you take the lens through alcohol the story is like the alcohol piece is a key piece the story like it really is because grown up with as four boys you know where two or four boys all boys schools macho culture playing rugby playing semi-pro rugby <laughs> pints and 
beer and chasing girls. Like that was the mentality yeah. we grew up in up until we were 18, 19. And it really was like alcohol was just so, like, I, I don't think I'd kissed a girl that wasn't my girlfriend. I'd never met a girl like for the first time where I wasn't drunk because alcohol and was and the gateway. To, you know, that was just a common expression. You don't dance unless you're drunk. We were stereotypical of that. Yeah. We were we were just the expressions of that, and it wasn't until we were so tell this, I remember until we we had signed up yeah. to do a marathon. So the marathon, the Dublin marathon, is in October, the last bank holiday of October. And I remember a friend, Tommy Kelly, was turning forty, and we were twenty at the time. And he said, "Lads, would you be up for running a marathon?" And he'd run loads, and was like, "Of course we will, Tommy. Loved it. Great, great, great." Sure, yeah. athletes. Uh, and we no finished problem. college, and mom bought us a ticket to go into Ireland to say, Congratulations, lads, you're done now. You're out in the world. You can float your own boat now. And this is my final present for you. Thanks, lads. Well done. Uh, so we went around Europe towards the end of August, September, and we literally got drunk and just chased international women for the month. And we forgot to train. And then we got back, and it was a month left before the marathon. It was like, Jeez, I forgot to train, Dave. We better, like, you better do something. And I remember in biology class, a friend, Keith Barry, had, he t spoke of this word called a detox. And the, the internet wasn't around. This is 2001. So there's, there's no, you didn't talk, the word detox wasn't in the common dialect. And I remember we went down to the next best thing to the internet was the, the library. And we went into the library and asked, do you have a book on detox? And he said, no, no, but uh, uh, let me just check the system. And they checked and there's one in Dublin. It'll be here next week. And we're like, great, fabulous. So what we, efficient service. What efficient uh, service. And the book arrived and we started reading through it and it was like, right, Dave, so we're eating porridge for brekkie, no more cereals, right? We're going to eat brown bread instead of white bread. We're giving up junk food, no pizza. And then this was the big one. No booze. No booze. Just a month. Just a month. Yeah, we're just, just, just doing it for a month. That was it. That was, And it literally was a month. You know, we were hot-blooded 20-year-olds. And... Uh, and we did it for the full month and it came to the marathon and lo and behold, Steve came second in the marathon and I came third. No, that was a joke. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, no, no. no, but we, we managed to do it fine. Like it was easy. It was straightforward. And then we didn't really feel like drinking. You know, it was just like, okay, well, I, maybe let's just push it out till Christmas. This was the, it was like the 28th of October and it was like, well, let's push it out till Christmas. And I remember we kind of pushed it out till, till Christmas and then it was going to be, well, it's our birthday in the 12th of December. Like, and we're going out with all the lads, Christmas party, all the school lads. Like you said, so this was all the rugby playing lads. They were all going out for a Christmas get together. Must've been about the 18th of December. We were going to, as Steve said, Thunder Road Cafe and we went in there and you know, we hadn't been drinking and this was the kind of chance to become real men again. And we got our points and um, had a little bit and and then Steve kind of sneakily just said to me, uh, do you want to like sneak out the back door and just go home? Like, I don't, I don't feel myself in here. And that was it. We went home and uh, and that was probably one of the last. But but it, but it was yeah. what, oh, what, nice. what alcohol, I guess. We found out that we had more money. I found out I didn't have as much brain fog. I found out it was much more productive during the week. And then I didn't have those moments when you woke up going, what did I do last night? Or I feel embarrassed. I feel yeah, the shame. The shame, that's the word. The sense of shame of like, I wasn't myself last night. I did things I wouldn't normally do. And maybe the seeds, the seeds were planted a few years before. It's certainly in myself. I remember walking around the streets. We This is before 18, so you weren't allowed to drink in pubs. And we'd be drinking bottles of whatever we could steal out of mom and dad's cabinet. We used to call it jungle juice. Yeah. And you'd be drinking that. And I remember just not feeling myself, like not feeling comfortable with, you know, just that mentality and that the way that it was done. And I remember in, I remember a clear moment walking along and kind of feeling so uncomfortable going, 
I'm not going to, this doesn't suit me. This, this is not me. There's more to me than this. And I think the seeds were planted then and then they probably didn't come out till we were 20. The fruit didn't kind of. Yeah, because for me, that's fascinating as two young men, rugby playing guys in Ireland. I mean, I still meet people constantly now that are thinking about taking a break from alcohol and they're like, yeah, but I'm Irish. It's almost impossible. And then I think about you two 20, 20 years ago, going through that as 20, 21 year old young men, rugby playing guys, the sort of jocks, let's say, chasing girls to make that decision to switch it off is, I know it doesn't feel like it's a big thing for you or it doesn't seem, but that's a huge thing in that environment. What do you think led to that? I know you'd been away prior to that. Was that experience of well I, I think I think we were we went to giving up alcohol for life it was like I feel yeah. more myself I'm gonna see where this goes that type of thing so you know went away traveling then for the next couple of years and started experimenting with other aspects of life like I wonder if I change my diet will I feel more myself and how does yes. diet I've never thought about food like what I eat I wonder does it affect my energy level does it Wow, I didn't realize that. But also, but also, as you say, like it's a catalyst to un, unearth a lot more deeper questions. Yeah. And I think for us, there was a curiosity for spirituality, which was awoken because mm. you're immediately kind of going, OK, well, if I'm not living for Friday night and Saturday night, getting drunk and trying to chase girls around a nightclub or whatever, <laughs> really like, what, what else is there? Because that was the mindset. Like, And I, I really do. When I look back at that chapter of my life, like, you know, I was a very basic creature. Yeah. And I'm still a basic creature. I'm just a different basic <laughs> creature. But I think during those couple of years away, we were very curious about spirituality. Like that was awoken. And I remember spending months in meditation center and yeah. going, getting very deep into that and reading a lot of books about it. And that curiosity and going, okay, well, what gives me meaning? What, what makes me tick? Mm. What, how do I like myself more? You know, how can I live for the day? And then, then I realized when I, I started becoming more comfortable with myself, like, I could talk to girl women during the day and I was much I could build much nicer relationships mm. and much nicer connections and I think that was the big block because for us like we meeting the opposite gender or whichever gender you're attracted to like alcohol was the gateway to that yeah. and when I realized that oh my god you can talk to like whoever you're attracted to during the day and it can be much more meaningful and it can be to much more meaningful relationships and connections. Well, then I realized, oh my God, this is sustainable. Like, oh, like yeah. I've got more money. I feel better. I'm more productive. I can live my dreams more and I can meet like Girls. women too. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is, it's the greatest find ever. And I can only imagine again, as a, a sort of 20 year old man, that that networking part when you're trying to connect with the other sex, like you say, for most people is the bit even as mature adults that oh, we found with most. when we started like, sorry to cut you off there Andy. Uh, when we started the fruit and veg shop we found we were working all the time we used to get up at half four in the morning to go into Dublin fruit market this is when we started the happy pear and we used to have a little red van and go into you know buy the vegetables every day and we found out that in Greystones there was a there was a market that we just discovered the au pear market and they'd come into the happy pear oh. and you go have you seen Dublin fruit market and they go what do you mean Dublin fruit market and you go, oh my god it's amazing you gotta see it and, and, then, and they go what? and they go I pick up at half four tomorrow and she goes in the afternoon no in the morning they go what and you go meet you here at the shop 4.30am great and they go oh, oh, okay and it was an amazing gauge because it was like are they willing to show up at half four in the morning and then when they show up you're in a little red van sitting kind of 
facing the same direction. You could have amazing chats. And then when you brought them into Dublin Fruit Market, which is kind of like the greengrocer cartel, it's run by men and it's real. You know, people don't necessarily aspire to being a greengrocer. It's something kind of highly, high amount of nepotism as in it's passed down from generation. It's like this yeah. kind of clubhouse of vegetable enthusiasts and it's pretty much all men. And we were always seen as weird and kind of like yuppies because we'd gone to college. And it was only when we started to bring in women that suddenly the lads were like, They'd start flirting with them and they'd, oh, will you try a strawberry? Oh, listen here, I'll go get you a flower. And suddenly it was like, this earned us the respect of the lads in the market. Yeah. And it also got us to meet women. It was very, it was quite, yeah, it just worked out. Yes. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And do you think having each other made it a bit easier? Of course. Yeah. Support. Of course. Like, I think that's, I think that's the hardest bit that I think probably most people by yeah. ourselves, I don't know if either one of us would have done it, but when you're two, you're immediately insulated, mm. you know, you can stand back to back and, and I think face that's the, world, the key to yeah. any sustainable lifestyle change. It's social support, it's community. If you look to the blue zones, you know, the reasons why they live such happy, healthy, long lives isn't because they got super genes and it isn't because the sunshine. It's because their environment forces them to make the healthy choice. And similarly, I think for anyone listening who does want to kind of start living a little healthier, the more you can set up, have environmental design where it's set up to kind of make the healthier choice, whether it be you have a one healthy friend that you go running with their one healthy friend that doesn't drink and you go out and have a cup of tea together in the chats this can be the start of a positive ripple yeah we've been talking a lot about that haven't we community and i think it's the same whether it's alcohol free or it's nutrition or it's sea swimming community is everything i've really started to, to realize that over the last few years that actually if you've got a change coming up in your life connect with a community it's one of those early steps i think again with that's an alcohol free community whether it's a free swimming community, because I think it is that social blood, the lifeblood of the group that really inspires you and motivates you to keep going. You know, yeah. and I think it's so incredibly important. And on that note, so you took a break from alcohol. You're having these like revelations in your own life. You're going deep, you're reflecting, you're trying all these new things. How did that then transition into what you're doing today? I think it probably we felt better you know yeah. all these all these positive changes in our own lives we felt better and essentially number one wanted to create the support within our own life so we wanted to have a place where there was healthy organic food there was cafe where you could get the food yeah and if we created this well then that was going to support ourselves and it was probably going to attract other people so it was probably initially led by the most selfish reasons of this ain't in our town. Let's have it in our town. So then it'll keep us on track anyway. It'll provide the support for us. And I guess the second thing was really motivated by how can we inspire others and create a ripple effect and really try to change our own community and therefore have a ripple effect on larger people. Yeah, and I think so true. And I think that was the same for me in terms of the alcohol-free space. It was that sense that this doesn't exist. I couldn't find a community or a thing that I would have liked to have used. So there was that motivation Let's just create ourselves and then build this thing that we can be a part of that's sort of self-motivating. I think that's where probably most people start and then it flows out to other people. And that's led to, I guess, all this momentum around the cafe and the books and the sea swimming. So how did that all start to unfold? Just build that story think, out a bit. Well, I think like, we, so we've been at this 17 years. Yeah. So we started like with a veg shop in 2004 and it was a little vegetable shop and we always knew we were using it to try to change the world. It was never just going to be a vegetable shop. And I guess then it 
it's been 17 years the journey so little by little you're following your nose and the whole theme is how can we try to inspire more people and I guess it led from you know the year later we opened a cafe six months later we opened a, a juice bar and we're trying we're just trying things and following our nose we've got no plan we're just following two our chances. nose and then two chances two chances having yeah. a laugh having so much fun that you attract other people that want to help you and have fun too and then little by little our brother starts a farm he, he kind of was doing triathlons for Ireland and he's start drinking lots of wheatgrass and lots of sprouts and then he says oh, I feel amazing like I want to get this out to more people and he starts growing this and then one time the sprouts there was some he couldn't sell them anymore for some reason so he said well Steve said well I'm making this pesto why don't you try sell this pesto so he starts selling this pesto and now we we sell about 10,000 of those pestos a week now wow. so it's like it, it's gone from one little thing to the, to just one curiosity to the next and that kind of starting with one pesto, like it probably went to five pestos a week and then 10 pestos a week to another shop. And then it was two shops and then it was 20 pestos. And over the last 10 years, now we have 60 products in more than a thousand stores across Ireland. And it's so so it's really one curiosity has led to the other and the same all under the same theme of how can we get people to eat more fruit and veg and live better, healthier, happier lives and build communities around this. So that's been the theme and like on, it's gone into online courses where we've now got seven of them. Like last year we had 35,000 people through them in more than 120 countries wow. and they're all partnered with doctors and dietitians and like Dr. Alan Desmond who you know, good friend, yeah. we have a course with him, uh, the Good Health Revolution where we've had, you know, 20,000 people through it and it's all based around getting people to eat more fruit and veg, move more, sleep better and build a community that supports one another to achieve these goals. Yeah, so. so beautiful. And then how did the, the sea swimming part of that unfold? Because no, that wasn't always in the story. That just and, and sort of evolved as when well. When we started doing it, it, it was like, <laughs> why not one of those people that swim in the sea every year? Because like every day, we used to swim in the sea during summer, but then winter, it's too cold. I'm not one of those, you know, walruses. Nah, I'm not like that. And I remember we were asked to, I remember getting a letter wondering would we go and make juices and smoothies at this building called the Mansion House at some event called Web Summit and we thought cool that sounds great the Mansion House I wonder who lives there because we were still driving the little red van it was like great okay cool Dave right so we packed up the little red van with the juicers and loads of juice and we went in and it was in the Mansion House and it was this event called Founders and at Web Summit has subsequently become the big, world's biggest tech conference and it was set up in Dublin by a friend Paddy uh, and we were at it we were making juices and smoothie to like this guy who Jack Dorse who started this thing called Twitter and this guy Reed who started yeah. this thing called Netflix we we didn't know what any of this was this fella that started this Nikolai that started this thing called Skype that we were making juices for and having the chats for and didn't know what the hell they did they might as well have been astronauts we knew nothing about it and I remember we were kind of in the room we were listening to the talks and I remember afterwards going Dave just the whole tech thing is kind of sexy like I must get a phone and the next week, Dave went down and he got us both a phone. We, we had a smartphone. It was like, wow, you can take photos and you can upload it into the internet. It's That's like amazing. It's like yeah, eight or nine years, years ago. A so while ago. And we were really excited. And I remember at, at the time, yeah, at the time, years ago, um, we had children, not together, separately. And, um, you know, they were, new, what do you call it? Newborn. Yeah, newborn. children. So, you know, they wake in the middle of the night and you were, go to sleep, go to sleep. And uh, often I'd put May in the pram and we'd go down for a walk and Dave would be walking his daughter Elsie and go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And we'd be walking down at the sea, took a picture of the sunrise and put it up on Twitter was the main platform we were using then and people really engaged with it that it was a, 
a dawn, new day, hope, creativity, nature, all this. Yeah. So we kind of got in the habit of going down and seeing the sunrise and taking a picture. And one September I was down there and it was manky and there was a cold northerly wind, but there was this beautiful sunrise. And I had my towel on togs, but I had no intention of getting in. And uh, I took my picture just down at the edge of the cove, right by where the steps are. And there's kind of just where often people get in swimming. And I took my picture and was like, great, I'm just getting ready to go. And I kind of look at, look at a fella in swimming. I go, geez, look at your man, mad man. And he kind of walked up the top of the steps and he kind of stood there with his hand on his hips and he kind of you know looked at us and said you're getting in lads and we went to all boys school so we're very stupid yeah. in that way instead of him just questioning <laughs> would you like to get in for a swim we saw it as a challenge challenging our masculinity yeah. how brave were we yeah. and we kind of banged our chest and said yeah so when we got in for a swim and um you know it was freezing and we didn't want to do it, but we did it anyway and we got out and we got chatting and he introduced himself as neil and uh, we had a little bit of a chat and then as he was leaving he turned around and you know in my head he banged his chest and he said see you tomorrow lads whereas realistically he said see you again lads something like this but in my head it was like yeah I'll be yeah. here same time same place <laughs> not quite that but uh, <laughs> quite we that met him then the, same, the next day Neil and then a friend Hugo joined us and then the next day a friend Caroline joined us and suddenly it wasn't just me and Dave and Neil there were five of us and then the next day we brought tea and suddenly these were friends that we wouldn't normally hang out with and we were having the chats and having the crack and it became more than just to see. It became like, Jesus, I wonder how long we're going to do this. This is really nice. And it, was, it was curious. It was that fun. No yeah. one knew what was happening, but we all kept showing up and then it was... And, and you go for a swim the 1st of October and, and people we'd, so people would joke, oh, we paid our membership for October. We better keep going. And we do October. And then it was yeah. like, when are we going to stop? But we just kept doing it. And we, we, we at the time, we kind of got interested in using Snapchat. And Snapchat moved the kind of social media landscape to where it was much more immediate. It was like, you could go, I'm having lunch in half an hour. Does anyone meet me and someone would actually show up and we found through doing kind of various different stories suddenly people would show up and join us swimming and it was like wow people from like all around Ireland and there were people from different countries and slowly it kind of it built it into this thing and we started I remember I'll, I'll wind this up shortly sorry I remember we were we used to get loads of messages from people saying like lads it looks great can I can I come join you like and it's amazing how tropical Ireland can look in a two-dimensional phone. And they don't realize there's a northerly wind. It was freezing. It was Baltic. <laughs> the water was freezing. freezing. And it's 6 a.m. Yeah. But I'd kind of got enough of these messages. And I think it was in June. Um, I was there with Siobhan. Um, what was it? Siobhan Scanlon. Scanlon. And she kind of said, lads, why don't we do like a swim rise, like swimming at sunrise and yeah. put it out across our social media, invite everyone to come. It was like, great idea. So we put it up in Snapchat and we said it was a Tuesday morning, right? We're meeting at that repair um, at 4.30, it was, yeah, 4.30 a.m. Um, everyone's invited and we're going to bring tea and porridge. Come along. Um, and then we, Siobhan said, let's put it up on other platforms. Let's put it up on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and let's see who the hell shows up. Uh, maybe Instagram wasn't a big thing back then. I can't remember. Uh, so I met Dave at 4 a.m. and we made, we went to make a little bowl of porridge, but we didn't have a little pot. We only had a big one because the kitchen was big. You know, you made big quantities of things. So we made a big pot of porridge yeah. and we came out and we thought there might be five or 10 people. It was about three or 400 people. We all walked in the middle of the road. Wow. The sun, the sun came up and we made love on the beach. It was magnificent. Okay, wow. making love on the beach was a joke, but you know, it was great crack. And we've <laughs> subsequently we've been swimming the sea for about seven years now. And you know, there's been times when there's been a thousand Seven people years. at it, and it's just a lovely ritual, yeah. and there's a great sense of equality. Daily you stand, in, you stand oh, yeah. on the beach in a pair of togs, with no matter what they do in life, you're the same because you're afraid. 
You don't want to get you. Yeah. You're all unified in your collective kind of almost, you know, unified in that you're wearing togs, you're naked against a common enemy being the cold sea. So it's very connecting. And then afterwards, you've got so much endorphins in your brain that when you all have tea, you forge really lovely, authentic friendships. Yeah, I love it. And having swum with you many times, I think we actually swam once and it was snowing, which I remember. It took me about two hours to, to get the sensation back in my feet afterwards but i always remember that how i came across you was through my wife tara who's irish who was big into snapchats huge thing snapchat yeah, in right, ireland yeah, predominantly yeah, i think right. and i remember coming home one day and all i could hear up tara's upstairs in the bedroom was this irish <laughs> man's voice and i was like genie mac what's going on up there next thing i heard the other one of you i was like there's two of them up there this gets even worse and i sort of charged up i'm joking but as i charged up and there she was on snapchat listening to you two and that's how i got introduced and you do it so well in that community and the, the swim along plus the message that sits behind everything you do not only this community but also about nutrition and now it's about health and movement and maybe just maybe it might be about alcohol free at some point who knows? Wouldn't like that be that. beautiful? Yeah, I'd love to. But genuinely, that seed's been well planted now. I will water it. Yeah, I think I think we should. I think do we should a challenge. Do, do a twenty-eight day challenge. Yeah, I think we should do something together along those lines. I think it'd be a really beautiful thing. Like I say, I think it's one of those pillars that's connected to everything else that you do, and it's obviously part of your story. And that's why I really wanted to do this show. I, th- on- I think it's more than a pillar. I think it's a barrier. Yeah, I think it's an inhibitor because a pillar to me is one of the like the core habits which you want. Whereas I think the alcohol piece can often inhibit people reaching the other pillars and kind of looking at them because it like it impacts your sleep, like it impacts your your food choices will be worse. You know, your relationships will be worse. Your you, you will be more stressed. So I think it is a block to reaching those wellness pillars. Actually, that's quite interesting because you're right in some ways because having it there as a pillar because once it's gone. You don't need to focus on it. Right? For example, once you've taken a break or you're taking a long-term break, you don't have to keep thinking about the alcohol piece. It's gone. And then you're looking at nutrition and connection and movement. So I think you're right. There's a way to frame that. And if it's a barrier, but something along those lines that it's a hurdle to overcome, but once it's overcome, it's out of the way. And then you focus on your nutrition and your connection, all mm. those wonderful things. We can't I'm do it. I'm trying to think of it one, in a big one, way. One month well, logo. One, one I don't know. Like what rhymes with month? Month. <laughs> I'm trying to think what rhymes with month. Month. Um, <laughs> yeah, like year. Lot, there, yeah, yeah, like no, year. no, no. Clearly not. No, there. No, go. I don't know. You got to go. You're trying to think and you're waiting for something. Okay. Yeah. That maybe not. Okay. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. It's we'll going to come. There. It's we'll, going to it come. Needs it's come. It needs some work. We'll come back to it. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up there because I know we've, we've been at this a long while now. So thank just you, to Andy. say thank you. Thank you for everything you do. You're superstars. We will do more together Likewise. down the line. Thanks Likewise. for sharing the story. Watch this space. Come and see. Come Let's do it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And to show the podcast some love, please subscribe and download and if you could tell just one more person about the podcast that would be amazing and don't forget i'm live every single weekday around 7 a.m on facebook and instagram if you want to come and interact live ask me questions i'll be sharing my best wisdom at 7 a.m every weekday live facebook and instagram at andy ramage official And also don't forget, if you want to train with me to become a world-class coach, go to andyramage.com courses. And if you want to train with me to develop yourself, also check out the courses. It's all there, andyramage.com. 
Also, when you go to andyramage.com, you can sign up to my newsletter there, get all the updates on the latest and greatest courses, get my weekly roundup of things that you might find inspirational, aspirational, and motivational. In my weekly newsletter, you can sign up at andyramage.com. Finally, thank you, Matt McCormick, for producing the show. All right, hopefully I'll see you back here very soon. Let's do this. Let's do this.